Hi, this is Father Sean Kilcalli, Director of Family Life for the Diocese of Lincoln and Theological Advisor for IntegrityRestored.com. This is part two of the Education for Love seminar that was held in Holdridge, Nebraska on January 23rd, 2016. And in this portion, you'll hear from Matt and Jennifer Davis, who are a young couple from Lincoln, Nebraska. And uh, they'll talk about their experience of educating their children about God's gift for human sexuality. After their talk, I will come back on and give some more information about ways to use accountability and filtering software, things to look out for as you're watching over and protecting your children, and how to frame that conversation between parents and children. The question and answer period is on the recording, although the recording quality isn't that great, so I apologize for that. And uh, I hope that you enjoy this podcast. We'll join partway through Matt and Jen's presentation. This is a natural curiosity that we have children have. I can remember being probably six, seven, somewhere in that neighborhood. You know, old enough where you still have kind of glimpses back there, bits and pieces, little, little, little movie strips. But I can remember being in my sister's room with her Barbie dolls. And I had a Ken doll and a Barbie doll, and I had their clothes off, and I was punching them up together next to each other. I didn't know why. And somewhere I knew like this, something like this transpires. I don't know why or what it's for, but I know it takes place. Well, by that time, my mom walks into the room, and I'll never forget the look on her face. She's mortified, just could not believe what she was seeing. So she reaches down, she grabs me, and she marches me into the family room where my dad is sitting in his recliner with his legs up. And she's like, look what I caught Matthew doing. And then, <laughs> God bless her, takes the Barbie dolls and goes like this with her, you know. And my dad, he just went like this, you know. He didn't want it. He didn't want to address it. He didn't want to deal with it. Uh, he just blew it off. So that left me from an early age confused. You know, like, what was this? This is obviously something that goes on. I mean, I, I got in trouble with my mom, so, so I thought it seemed like. But then my dad... Didn't want to deal with it. And so I was left, uh, yeah, in my peers uh, and pornography. I mean, I was exposed to porn. And, gosh, a sleepover, I remember, at a friend's house. Their dad had pornography, and it was hardcore porn. You know, they just, hey, look at this. Throw it in, and there it is. Now, all of a sudden, you know, I know what sex is. I see what happens, but I don't even still don't realize that there's actually a procreative side to it. I used to honestly think that whenever... God was ready for a couple to have a baby. It just happened, you know. And I can remember a kid down the street saying, that's, that's how babies are made. And I'm like, no, 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 it's not. Well, then how come nuns don't have babies? I don't know. That's a good question, you know. Real good question. So, and God bless my parents. They did the best they could. But, you know, in all honesty, they weren't taught. And they weren't taught because their parents weren't taught. And it goes back. For whatever reason, people just never wanted to deal with it. You know, and at one point in time in society, you could get away with that because there were still morals. People had, you know, a general, there was just things that were still sacred. But I think by not talking about it, you know, each generation, it got a little worse and it got a little worse and still nobody talked about it and it got worse. And now here we are and it's a mess. And we are the generation that now has to clean it all up. 
And so by doing that, it's simply opening up the lines of communication with your children and talking to them. And that's what we're going to share with you all, kind of what we do, you know, the action we've chosen to take. Well, let my wife take it back from here. So what we've chosen to do is um, a threefold approach, educate, empower, and love. And we'll hit on each of those. Uh, here momentarily. But really, Matt and I feel a sense of urgency because uh, of our over-sexualized culture. It's rampant. And it's not just TV and movies and all over the internet. It's in the checkout lanes at the grocery store. I had one young mom tell me one of her readers, brand new reader, is trying to sound out sexual words on a Cosmo magazine. And moms, you spend so much money at those grocery stores. Call the grocery stores. Complain. They will cover those magazines if you get loud enough. And we actually had a successful campaign in Lincoln. And I think that's part of, too, um, pushing back the culture is being a good example to your kids. Our kids know uh, when we're at the checkout lanes, we'll flip the magazines around. My girls don't need to read a Cosmo. They don't need to see the porn that's right there in my son's face. It's so frustrating. So in addition to talking to your kids, don't be afraid to be a mover and a shaker in your community and call those grocery stores. That's my plug for my family-friendly aisle campaign. <laughs> well, I have a captured audience. Um, so educate, empower, and love. What we chose to do was, um, because we do have this sense of urgency with our children, we know it's a race to our kids. We need to get to our kids before the culture does. And we absolutely know that the culture will teach our children if we don't. So, four years ago, I sat down with our two oldest daughters. At the time, they were second and third grade. And I had talked to older moms. I, that's one thing I, I love about moms, too. We network and we talk. And I talked to some moms and heard about the God's Design for Sex series. Specifically, book two is very good if you want to explain things to your kids. So I sat down with Madeline and Felicity with book two. And I read it to them. And it explains everything, but it's all framed around God's love and God's gift of sexuality to a marriage. And it was great. And I learned in that moment that the awkwardness of teaching our children is exclusively ours. There was nothing awkward for them. For them, it was strictly information. And the uncomfortableness, I just had to get past. And, you know, come on, parents. We know we can fake confidence when we need to. Of course, God's sense of humor, I found out I was pregnant a couple days later. <laughs> but anyway, so, um, it, but it went great. And the next day, our Felicity grabbed the book off the bookshelf and approached us and said, I have questions. And at that time, I included Matt in the conversation and started an open dialogue with our children it's an ongoing, open dialogue where we are there to answer any questions they have. They know we are on their team and that we're their first source of information. 
and that this is something very sacred they don't share with their friends. They let their friends learn from their parents. I couldn't believe how well it went. Uh, and then Father heard about how well it went, and here we are. <laughs> so then our next daughter came of age where we try to teach them. Sophie. She's a little bit of a chatter. She likes to educate people. <laughs> so we kind of discerned when would she be ready. And again, it was about third grade for her. And it also just went so well. There's a natural curiosity at that age, but also they're still very innocent. Um, but we do want them to know the truth before they see the poison. Uh, I believe it's the Federal Reserve that teaches their counterfeit people that you study the correct kind of currency, the truth, and you get to know that. So when you see counterfeit money, you know instantly it's counterfeit. Well, it's the same way with our approach to sex. We want our children to know it's a gift from God for man and wife, and it's a beautiful thing, and we don't want them to fall into the culture's teaching of poison. So now we have a son who's second grade. We have a lot of kids. <laughs> and I'll let Matt talk about it. Yeah, the, the boy, we haven't actually, I haven't actually sat down and read the book that Jen read to the, to the, to the three older girls yet because I don't feel he's quite there. Because boys, you know, mature a little bit slower than girls. Um, but there is another book that we've actually read to all of them. It's called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. And it's basically a book that talks about the brain and how it works and when you see porn. And it doesn't go into great detail, obviously, what porn is. just that it's inappropriate pictures, this and that. But it talks about how your brain gets skewed when you see this stuff and how it causes these feelings and how you need to use your thinking brain. And so I've got him going on that level, and it's actually really good because I use that for all sorts of stuff, not just you know, a sexual nature, but anytime he does something stupid, I'm like, was that your thinking brain or your feeling brain? Feeling brain? I'm like, yeah, I know, it was, wasn't his son. So it works good for, you know, not just, you know, the sexual aspect of things. But even that being said, I still had to, um, you know, it's not just a matter of reading the books and then walking away. You actually have to keep it open, and you have to deal with other things that he unfold, for example, and, you know, this is just a part of life. It's something you have to deal with. And, again, it's like when it happened, I was like, all right, here we go. Got to do it. But Jen, he was in the bathtub one day, and Jen walked in, and he had a little erection, and he was in there messing with it. And she comes, and she's like, Matt, he's in there messing with his penis. I'm like, all right, I got it. I got it. So you know, I just go in there, and I look at him. Your penis is hard, huh, son? And he's like, yeah, what's that all about? And I'm like, you know what? It just happens. It's the way God designed us. It's like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to do it. It's like, mine does it. All boys do it. There's a reason for it, and which I will let you know about when you get a little older. But for now, all you really need to know is that it's normal. There's nothing wrong with it, and just, it'll go away. It's like, you don't play with it. Even if it might feel good, that's not appropriate. You use it to pee, and uh, we'll talk about it more later. And he was cool. He's like, all right. And, you know, it was weird. You know, these things seem kind of... You know, you don't want to touch it, but you know, then again, why? It's it's normal. It's human nature. It's the way we're designed. And I don't want my son to be in a situation I was ever in. I want him to be prepared and have information, and I want him to feel that he can talk to me. Because like I said, God bless my parents 
I love them. They did the best they could, but I was scared to talk to them. I felt like I couldn't, and I don't want that for my children. So putting yourself out there and talking to them is just the first step. And that's the, that's the main step. I mean, there's sources that we use, but the main thing is to simply just do it. And always keep God. We always keep God. It's like, you know what? This is the way God designed it. This is the way God designed it. It's designed this way for a reason. And always keeping that in perspective. And it is nice that, like we've said, it's just information, and this is God's design. So when we just present it that way, it just really takes the awkwardness out of it. Um, Because we do try every night to pray with them, and we pray with them before they leave for school. So using God as just falling back, look, this is God's design. This is how it is. It's really helped, too, with the awkwardness. Um, It's just, it's funny, too, when our kids became old enough, and again, it's an open dialogue with our older children. Um, I mean, they, they love babies. More than we love babies, I think. I mean, they really love babies. So they'd be like, Mom and Dad, can you go out on a date? Because they want more siblings. They've offered to babysit so we could have a night out. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it works and, yeah, it's 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 funny. It opens up all sorts of dialogue. I love it, though, because I feel like they see the world differently. And we absolutely are all about preserving that childhood as long as we can. So now those first two girls we talked to are sixth and seventh grade. And so we're, we're learning all the time. It's, it's tricky, this culture. I cannot believe how seventh grade girls are dressing in our world and how so many of their classmates have smartphones. Our children don't have smartphones. Uh, we have iPads in the house, but we have covenant eyes. And we have smartphones, but we have covenant eyes. So um, Matt actually just got his first smartphone, and it's yeah. it's interesting. Um, just yeah, it's like it's not really a need. Do we need smartphones? So if we don't necessarily need them, although they're very handy, why do our kids have them? So um, our kids don't have them. They are very limited, and so far they're fine with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. You know, another thing is we don't have cable. And, I mean, that's a choice we've made, and it uh, may seem extreme, but the way I see it, you know, there's enough nonsense out there. I'm not going to pay to pump that trash in my house because that gets more difficult to monitor, you know. They can just flip the TV on whenever they want. You know, we have devices that we use, you know, Netflix, and they can watch shows. But, again, we can monitor all of it. We know what's, what's been seen on it, what they're watching. And the Covenant Eyes thing, Father will talk more about that later, but it's... It's accountability. So when they, like if they have schoolwork and Madeline logs onto the computer and she needs to research something, she goes to the Covenant Eyes browser and then we get a report showing us exactly where she's been, what she's been looking at. So, I mean, it's not that, you know, we don't trust her, but there's accidental exposure can happen too. Well, accidental and exposure, certainly, but we know our kids have a fallen human nature. We certainly don't think they're angels, and we know that they can get into something. I mean, we don't think that they're perfect. So a lot of times for kids, we know it's accidental exposure, and then there's shame, and then they go back to it. So we're not naive. We know that it's everywhere, and ultimately we feel like it's a matter of time 
before our kids are exposed to pornography in this culture. I mean, how many of their friends have a smartphone? We cannot be with our children all the time, but we can talk to them and we can empower them with the tools so they know how to handle that situation. Let me tell you though, cutting cable, that was painful. And it's really painful during football and the Olympics. But technology and the internet, it's getting better all the time, and I hope someday. I miss football. <laughs> I always watch football with my dad, so I, I do miss that. But we're figuring it out. There's ESPN apps, you know, so. Yeah. But in, in talking to them, though, we've already had experiences where, um, like Madeline, they, we walk, they walk to school, we're a block and a half away from the church and the school, and so they walked with some of their friends, and I remember one day Madeline came home, and she was telling us that these two girls in front of her, and you know, girls, God bless girls, but they can be kind of catty. It just happens. And uh, these two in front of them, were, they were whispering, and Madeline knew what they were talking about. They were talking about some sexual thing. Well, they had been gifted dictionaries. So you know, like when we were kids, we'd look up in the encyclopedia, they got dictionaries at school. So they started looking up sexual things in the dictionary. These two girls. Yeah. yeah. But then they were informing me, Madeline, we can't tell you, you wouldn't understand anybody. And Madeline was like, you know, she was kind of, I mean, obviously in your, your peers are excluding you. You're hurt. But I was like, you know, Madeline, you know the truth. Yeah. I don't know what they're saying or the, the conclusions they're coming to on their own or what they've been exposed to, but you know the truth. It's like, we've talked to you. You know what it's all about. You don't have to be worried, you know? And she don't need to be a part of that anyway. And she took comfort in that. She's like, yeah, you're right. You know, and God, hopefully, prayerfully, this will continue. Like I said, I mean, we're new to it. It's not all played out, you know, because the kids are still young. But I do know that doing nothing doesn't work. You know, because we've been down that road. And I would probably guess that most of you have been down that road, too. Most of society has been down that road. Doing nothing, being silent, doesn't work. You know, we're not saying that what we're doing is going to be perfect. You know, I'm sure there won't be issues. Um, because they are going to get exposed to porn at some point in time. It's inevitable. I mean, I hate to think about it, but it's just, in our society, it's almost impossible. But prayerfully, when they are... They won't be afraid to come to us about it, and then we'll keep the dialogue going. You know, it'll be like Father said, I can say, I'm sorry that you were exposed to that. You know, what can we do now? What's the next step? And take it from there. But at least we'll have a reference point, you know, that we're trying to establish now. And it's been interesting to watch our rules be put into practice, because when they're really young, we would tell them, we're not going to do sleepovers. No sleepovers. And they're like, oh, okay, mom. And then we get a phone call from a mom a few years later. We're having a sleepover, and we'd like to have Felicity over. We don't do sleepovers. And it was like, okay, here we go. It's time for me to step up and not be afraid to just... Because I know that Matt and I are our, only, our children's only advocates. And we have to protect them. That's our job. And we know nothing good really happened at sleepovers we attended as children. And the world has gotten a lot worse. Pornography might be wrapped in plastic, 
a magazine on the top shelf at a gas station when we were kids, or late night on HBO. Now you have kids with smartphones at, at sleepovers. So we allowed her to go for a little bit, but she is not allowed to spend the night. And she seemed okay with that. I mean, she has to be. <laughs> um, and it was kind of interesting how it was uncomfortable to get pressed by a mom. Like, oh, that's kind of weird. But that's what we've chosen to do to protect our girls. Yeah. And I'm going <laughs> to... What's that? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm All right. Yeah, when it comes to that, I mean, we have, we have lots of friends, um, you know, with lots of kids. But I, I don't know what they do, necessarily. <laughs> So um, I say this, and I'll probably get a snicker from my wife and father because they're like, oh, you're going to use your little line, and I'm going to use it. But, but it's a great line. It's whatever. But, you know, you don't make assumptions. I can't assume because they're over at so-and-so's house, and I know the parents, and they've got all these kids that, that they keep a close eye on. I can't assume simply because they, they go to a Catholic school where, you know, I trust the teachers that there's no exposure there. I mean, I can't assume anything with it. It's, it's just too much of a gamble. The only thing I can assume is my responsibility to my children. You know, I don't, you know, trust but verify, I guess you could say. I just, it's not worth taking a chance. And it's not a slight towards other parents or anything. It's just that when it comes to my children, I'm responsible. You know, I'm going to be held accountable the way I see it for the way I, what I did or didn't do. And uh, I love them too much. Like I said earlier, I don't want them to have the experience that I had. I want them to be ahead of the curve um, because, you know, they're worth it. They're worth it. And, you know, to go back just a little bit, a lot of this started from uh, early on with just modesty. I mean, really, that's what this is all built on. Because I've got five daughters, which I don't look forward to high school. All right. <laughs> At all. But we started from an early age. Modesty. You have dignity. You don't have to flaunt your body. Modesty, modesty, modesty. And it got to, it got so ingrained into them. I remember one time we were at uh, Jen's parents' house watching football. And uh, Jen's dad was sitting there. And I think it was the Cowboys maybe. I don't know who it was. Anyway, the cheerleader, the camera scrolls by and there's all the cheerleaders doing their thing. And the girls just looked over and like, Grandpa, those cheerleaders are immodest. That's <laughs> right, girls. Tell them, you know. And that's what I want. I don't want them to be afraid. I want them to see it and know it and speak it. Always. And that's our, our biggest goal. But also not in a judgmental way. Oh, no, yes. We teach not. them we're modest because love is a gift of self uh, and a sacrifice. And our bodies are a gift to our future spouse, and so we dress modestly. We don't show our gift to the world. We share that with our spouse someday. So we encourage them to just love their friends, not to be judgmental punks. Yeah, and another example of that, just quickly, is we were um, we had gone to Kentucky to visit my family one summer, and my brother, who has a completely different lifestyle from myself, nice lifestyle, he's a big house, he's got a swimming pool and everything, and all the family was up there, and like I said, I've got, you know, there were ten of us, so you can imagine a lot of people running around the swimming pool, and my kids and my wife are the only ones in one piece, everybody else was wearing bikinis, and then Felicity, God bless her, 
pulled Jen off to the side and said, they're all wearing bikinis. And Jen, I think you responded by saying, you know what? They just don't know. We don't judge. We should just pray for them. But just because they do it doesn't mean we do it. So, I mean, you get, you know, you don't get reinforcement from society and oftentimes family even. It's tough, but you just got to stick with it. And you just love them and, and pray with them and help them to be a light to their peers. That's what we tell the girls. We don't want to raise them to be fearful of the culture. We want to raise them to be a light and to give hope to others. And then by being a light in this culture, people will be drawn to Christ. So that's really our last point is love. So we try to just pour ourselves into the kids, taking an interest in them, spending time with them, and praying with them. Um, We really encourage the family rosary. We pray that in the evenings with them most nights. I pray with them before they leave for school in the morning. And then I pray for them. I pray for their purity and their protection, for the protection of our family, and just try to be a good example to them. Okay, so we have a quote that we found we love. Who knew the church was so ahead? I mean, this quote is like 20 years old, but it says so much about our culture, and it's on the back of the schedule if you're like me, you kind of need to read something as you hear it. So I thought it would be good because it is such a long quote to have this on here. It says, in the past, even when the family did not provide specific sexual education, the general culture was permeated by respect for fundamental values and hence served to protect and maintain them. In the greater part of society, both in developed and developing countries, the decline of traditional models has left children deprived of consistent and positive guidance. While parents find themselves unprepared to provide adequate answers, this new context is made worse by what we observe, an eclipse of the truth about man, which, among other things, exerts pressure to reduce sex to something commonplace. In this area, society and the mass media most of the time provide depersonalized, recreational, and often pessimistic information. Moreover, this information does not take into account the different stages of formation and development of children and young people and it is influenced by a distorted, individualistic concept of freedom in an ambiance lacking the basic values of life, human love, and the family. So with that, we'd just like to close. Um, Thank you so much for listening and coming today. Father's going to share a little bit about Covenant Eyes and technology. Thanks. Thanks. I'll just use this one. All right. I'm going to check on. Oh, we're doing great on time. Okay. There we go. Can you hear me? Good. (laughs) Thanks, Matt and Jen. Um, I want to share with you a few resources. So um, we've talked a lot about pornography, early exposure, all of that. And so what can you do to watch over and protect our kids on the internet? Because I don't want to leave you with, oh, the sky's falling. Um, 
but I do, okay. So in the past, most of the presentations, you can still Google, um, you can Google like internet safety, protected from pornography, and get YouTube videos, right? And there's lots of different people who do talks. But the majority of those talks say things like, you should always check the browser history, right? You go on your web browser, there's a history, you can check the history and see where people went. But checking the history doesn't work. Like, it doesn't work for anybody anymore because every web browser has private browsing. Right? Every web browser has private browsing. On Google, it's called incognito mode. And there's this creepy little dude in the corner of the window when you're in incognito mode. Right? Why do they have private browsing? So when you're Christmas shopping, your wife doesn't discover what you bought for her on Amazon. Right. You know, that's what people say. You know, so you don't have cookies and things like that. The reason they have private browsing is so you can hide your internet activity from your family. That's why they have it. Right? And for young people today, I have talked to a plethora of young people who only use incognito mode when they're online. Like, they go online, it's just a habit. Online, incognito mode. Nobody's going to know where I went. Right? The devil wants to sit all of you like me. So how do we get a proper browsing history? Two years ago, I partnered with a company called Covenant Eyes. Right? You can find their website at www.covenanteyes.com. Covenant Eyes is filtering and accountability software that monitors everything at the browser level. So how it works is, if you go to covenanteyes.com, and it'll say sign up for an account, and then you can sign up for a family account. So how a family account works is you get unlimited um, devices and unlimited profiles. So a family, like the Davises, who have 10 people in their family, they can have 10 different Covenant Eyes profiles, one for each kid, and then every week there will be an email that comes to the parents that says, this is what Madeline did online this week. This is what Felicity did online this week. This is what John did online this week. The reason that's so important is that I know families who have used covenants in the past, and they had one account, and they had a bunch of kids in the house. They had 17, 15, 13. The 13-year-old went to a sleepover and saw the Narcan, I almost said it, on Cinemax, <laughs> and then um, went home and Googled so that he could see it again when he was 13. Parents saw a covenant match report says somebody was looking at that stuff. Who got in trouble? 17 year old. I know you're doing this. Stop lying. So then the 17 year old leaves home. Same again. Who gets in trouble? The next kid does. So that third kid, he never had a conversation with his dad until he had already been looking at it for four years. Because when you have multiple people using the same computer, can't keep track of who's doing what. And you don't want to be, I mean, you don't want to be guilty of not being able to intervene, but I mean, probably worse was that older kid who kept getting accused when he actually didn't do anything. He was doing stuff too, but he was getting accused on the days he didn't do anything. And then probably thought to himself in a 17-year-old head, well, I'm going to get in trouble anyway, so I might as well do it. So that's why I prefer Covenant Eyes, and also because the filter settings for Covenant Eyes will be customizable for your kids. So 
In other words, when you have a 10 year old, they have a filter that doesn't allow them on YouTube, it doesn't allow them on Facebook, it doesn't allow them on other social media sites. And then they're going to get older and they'll probably have social media accounts. And then you can adjust the filter setting from child to teen. And once they're on teen, they can get to the social media sites that they can't get to more explicit sites. And ideally, by the time that kid leaves home, he's only on accountability, no filtering. Because when they go to college, there's no filtering. And I have talked to homeschool families where they were so careful. They were like, every time my kid's online, I am over their shoulder. Mom, can I use the computer? Yes, over my over the shoulder, watching everything he's doing, every keystroke. And then he went to college, and within six months, he was hooked on camera. Because he never developed virtue. Right? It's like keeping somebody in jail and never developed virtue, and then they get out of jail. So, by getting them to accountability only, then you're teaching them to make good choices, but you're watching over them as they make choices, right? Virtue is developed in a relationship. And so, we want to watch over them to make sure they're making good choices, and as we watch them make good choices, then we know they're going to be okay, right? When your kids are learning to ride a bike, you had them on training wheels, and you were with them, like next to them, and then you put them no training wheels, and you held onto the bike seat while they rode their bike. And then you let them ride their bike, but you probably nervous moms were standing there watching them rocking, going up and down. It's just like, you're not allowed to go where I can't see you. Right? It wasn't because you didn't trust them. It was because you wanted to make sure that you could intervene if something happened. Right? If they crashed, you want to be there right away so that you can do something about it. Right? That's what internet accountability is for. Right? If something happens, you want to be able to intervene. And you want to be able to say something. You want to be able to intervene with mercy. You want to be able to help and process what they saw. You want to be able to catch if they're dialoguing with somebody that they don't know. You know, all of these things I've seen in the last couple of years. And so the reason you use accountability software is to be able to intervene so you can say something that they don't know. I use accountability software. Why? Because I'm prone to binge watching TV when I'm depressed. Like, when I'm, like, feeling down, I'm prone to binge watching TV. And I'll spend the whole day off watching Netflix. And then the show ends, and it says, 30 seconds till the next episode. <laughs> and I go, oh, I should really turn it off. I should really turn it off. I want to, I'll just watch the first two minutes of the next episode and see how the last episode resolves. 45 minutes later, 30 seconds till the next episode. A couple hours later, are you still watching? <laughs> you ever seen that? Right? Like, are you still watching? Stop mocking me, Netflix. Stop judging me. Right? So I'm prone to that. And so my friend gets my covenant as report. Father Mark says he gets my covenant as report. And he will call me if it says, Netflix, 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 Netflix. And he'll say, are you okay? Like, what's going on with you? You look like you totally zoned out on your day off. Yeah, I should have called you and kind of had a friendship instead of watching whatever I was watching. Um, so that's what it's for, right? It's just a good way to be online. It's a good way for spouses to be accountable online. Okay, so many wives have resentments about fantasy football. Like, surreality, okay? It's not the worst thing in the world, but I've heard of a lot of fantasy football resentment because of all the time husbands spend online fantasy football. Right? Wives should all know how much your husband's on the SCN. And husbands 
of period of time. And sometimes you look at your own report and you're like, wow, this is ridiculous. Yeah. So, so that's why I recommend Covenant. It's a paid subscription. So the family fee is $14 a month. About $14 a month. Okay. If, you know, sometimes people say, well, that's too much. But then I ask them, do you subscribe to Hulu? Yes. Netflix? Yes. Amazon Prime? Yes. Okay, you're at like 35 bucks. Just so that you can watch TV shows without going to NBC.com. So if you can spend that money, you can spend $14. It's like insurance. It's like buying insurance for the internet. Um, if you are looking for just a free filtering solution that will work on mobile devices, okay, because Covenant has to work on your computers, your tablets, your smartphones, it goes on everything that goes on the internet. And then you just have to, and then you can just get the reports. Okay, it makes it easier for you. Okay, if you want a free filtering solution for phones, you can use K9. K9 is a, uh, it's just K9. Um, it's a filtered browser, but it's a very strong filter. So if you use K9 as a filtered browser, by the time your kids are in high school, they're probably not going to be able to do their homework. Okay, because the it's just that strong a filter. Okay, so for young kids, it's good. For when I'm working with people who really have struggles with compulsive behaviors, um, they use canine because it just locks them out of everything. Okay, when you do on your computer, there's also a way of setting up Google in safe search mode. And I have videos for these things on my website. But you can set up safe search modes in Google, which will filter out a lot of bad Google images and things like that. YouTube has a safety mode as well. So there's ways of setting up safety mode in these different programs. Now, does safety mode always work? No. Okay, there's this horrible video that young people are watching called Shrek is Life, Shrek is Love. It's basically like anime pornography with Shrek sodomizing a young boy. And it's on YouTube. And, like, we've had this happen in our schools where kids are talking about it in class. And nobody needs that in their head. Like, nobody needs that in their head. Um, but this is how, like, exposure is happening because it's marketed for kids. Right? It's marketed for kids. Somebody who's exposed to pornography around the age of 12 usually ends up having adult compulsive sexual behavior. Um, it's more likely because of the development of the brain and everything. Right? So it's so important to make sure you're watching what they do. Um, and you're there to provide mercy. So K9 is a sort of browser for that. <clears throat> um, video game systems also have parental controls that you can set on video game systems. Video game systems are very, uh, it's a very common way that kids get online. Um, the best thing to do, because there's so many different video game systems, is just do a search on the internet for parental controls Xbox. Parental controls, Wii. Parental controls, whatever, yeah, PlayStation. And there'll be a YouTube video where somebody will show you how to set up the parental controls, um, which will just like, keep them from going to bad places. Um, what else? Uh, you can also set filtering on your Wi-Fi router at home, which I recommend you do. And to do that, there's a service called OpenDNS. And you just look for OpenDNS.com, and it'll like, tell you how to set it up. Okay, and that'll filter everything on your Wi-Fi. Is it enough to just filter your Wi-Fi? No, because mobile devices at McDonald's can go anywhere. 
Right? That's why I recommend Covenant Eyes, and you put it on the mobile device. Um, you can also set all the parental controls on every mobile device. So if you have an iPhone, you go into the restriction settings, and you can turn off stuff. You can turn off Safari and just use Covenant Eyes as the browser. And then you can turn off the store, right? The iTunes store, the App Store. If you don't turn off the App Store, you're not monitoring your kids. If you don't turn off the App Store, you're not monitoring your kids. Because if they can get apps, they can get anything. If they can get apps, they can get apps that will hide the rest of their apps. Um, and if they can get apps, they can get a new browser that will get around everything. So when you set up their phone, you turn off the App Store. And then when they want an app, what do they do? They come and they say, Mom, I want an app. And you say, what app do you want? What does that do? Okay, give me your phone. You plug in the code, they get their app. You take their phone, you put the code back in, they don't have the app store. And no, it sounds horrible. When I was growing up, if I wanted something, we had to drive to a store. <laughs> it took an hour. Uh, this takes five minutes, right? I know it sounds horrible, but it's easy to do. You have to turn off the app store. You can do the same thing on Android devices. You just turn off the Google Play Store. Um, and I have videos on the Lincoln Diocese website that show you how to do that. Um, that website is at lincolndiocese.org forward slash protect my kids. Um, so, like, those things are more really important to do. Okay, there are also apps that get to the internet. So, what apps are dangerous? Um, most common way kids look at porn is Twitter. So they have Twitter app. That's the most common way kids look at pornography. And you're going, what? The coach uses Twitter to like, put out information. Sometimes they do. If they do, I would complain and say, we don't want our kids to have Twitter. And they can use more conventional ways of communicating. Okay, but Twitter is not monitored. Like It's one of the least monitored social medias. So actually, budding um, pornography performers, when they're trying to make a name for themselves, what do they do? They build up their Twitter followers. So it's like the primary way that they build up their image. So Twitter and Tumblr and some of those applications, those are the most common ways that kids access stuff. Also because your browser history is going to say, they went to, they went to Tumblr. Sometimes they're covenant eyes report might say they went to Tumblr 535 times. If they've, gone, if they've done 535 clicks on Tumblr, they're probably looking at something not so good. And so you sit down and you say, what did you click on 530 times on Tumblr? And then you have a conversation about it, and then you like work on what you need to do. Like, how can we intervene? How can we help you? Right? But these are like the common ways that people get around stuff. Right, so having those conversations, as Matt and Jen were talking about, that really is a foundation. We cannot, there's not a technological solution to any of this. And there's not a kind of, like, let's take them to the talk at church, where they're going to hear the talk at church, and then we're done. Because we used to do that, too. We have a puberty talk, and then people are like, puberty talk, and then we're done. But it's not enough. You know, like, they... We need to constantly be having those conversations. Um, this is a book that they were talking about, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. Some of you know about this book, or you've heard about this book. Like, this book is gold. Um, my friends, like, they read it to their five-year-olds. 
And it has this can-do plan. It's like, close your eyes, alert an adult, name it when you see it, distract your thoughts with other things, order your thinking brain to be in charge. And the kids will remember that. And then they start naming it when they see it. So my friend had a six-year-old at the grocery store, and she like, pulled down her mom's sweater, and she said, Mom, is that pornography? Pointing at Cosmo. And Mom said, yep. And she picked it up, and she went up to the store owner, and she was like, I came here to buy food, not this. And the manager was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Because the headlines were like very erotic. And, uh, and then they started covering everything. Right? Then she teamed up with Jenna and they went around getting all the grocery stores to cover everything. So, but it might seem weird that a kid would identify pornography when they're only like five or six. But they, also, they know not to drink liquor if they see it on the, you know, if they see it out at home. They know they're not supposed to smoke cigarettes if they see them. They know they're supposed to recycle, right? They know all that. So what's wrong with knowing that there is, are bad ways of displaying the human body and that they should identify it and report it? Um, it also helps them with reporting you know, when they're being perpetrated on. Like somebody showed me something. Okay, somebody showed me something. Right, like when we have those talks about sexual predators, what do they do? They show kids pornography. Because it loosens their boundaries. So part of protecting your kids online is also about keeping their boundaries intact so that they do not become victimized. Right? So our insurance company is, um, we just produced a video with an insurance company. You can write this website down too. Um, it's at cmgparent.org. And so Covenant has worked with Catholic Mutual Group and they produced this 18-minute parent video. And, uh, and it's just like a vignette video. It shows two moms talking. They have a conversation about how the kid got exposed to pornography. And then the mom goes, well, what did you do? And then she says, they went to a therapist and they go to the therapist, therapist talks. And then they go to the pastor and the pastor talks. And then they sit down and they talk to their son. And then it models all this conversation. And then at the end of that 18-minute video, there's a little quiz, and you can get a certificate. Right? So my recommendation to our parishes and schools is that we start having every parent watch that video and do the certificate. And so that's like the one way to get the information out to everyone. Right? Because you all came to this presentation to get resources. But then there's all your kids' friends, moms and dads, that didn't come to this presentation to get resources. So it's your job to tell them and to kind of have that conversation. You know, like when they won't let their kid go to a sleepover, it makes the other parent think, like, I wonder what my kids are doing. You know, or they have conversations about these things. Right? The reason I do this so publicly is so that it'll start conversations out there. People will say, Father Kukala came, he's whacked. He's crazy. He was talking about porn. Um, and I'm willing to be that person so that you can have an excuse to go talk to people. Um, but it's really you that can spread that. You know, if you're from one of the other Christian churches in town, we're so glad that you're here today. Um, but that, that, mute, that video I just talked about, like, y'all could use that too. It's not Catholic specific. They go see a priest, but there's nothing Catholic in it as far as doctrine goes. Um, the other book I'm going to plug just real quick is this one. Um, it's called Wonderfully Made Babies. Uh, the Lutherans have they've been doing books that you read to your kid since like 1950 
I have a friend, they have this book, it's a sex ed book you read to your kid from like 1950, put out by Concordia Press. As Catholics, we have never had a book like that ever until this book was published this last year, um, which is crazy. Like those, because I've been giving out all these books that other churches have produced for a really long time. It's more normal, you know, to talk about it, I guess, for us. I feel like, and I know that it's not just us as Catholics, but we're kind of a Puritan church in a pornified culture right now. You know, there's all that stuff in the culture, and then we're like, we can't talk about that. We might rob our kids' innocence. They're watching, like, same-sex couples make out on primetime TV. We're not robbing their innocence. Um, We're trying to inform them with the truth. So this is very much informed by theology of the body, and it's also very specific. That's why I like this book. I met the author when I was at the World Meeting of Families. It's on sale at the bookstore stand, and so is this one. If they sell out, I have a trunk load in my car because I sell sex ed books out of my trunk. (laughs) I go to parties. They go, what do you do? I talk to people about protecting people from porn. Oh my gosh, really? Is that really a problem? Yeah, come to my car. I've got books. (laughs) It's awesome. Um, Yeah. Okay, so we're question and answer. So that's the main things. Um, Again, two filtering solutions I recommend. Covenant Eyes and then Canine if you want a free one. Um, there's also a great website. It's bewebsmart.com. Okay, it's this IT lady who's a stay-at-home mom, and she blogs about all the new dangerous apps and things. So you just go there and read her blog. Question? Yes, the app is free, but the account is paid. So, yeah. You go to covenantnice.com. You say, sign up my family. And there will be a video that will say, how to sign up your family. And it will walk you through all the steps. You sign, you fill out all the information, put in your credit card, and then you have usernames and passwords. So then when you put it on your phone, you go to your Play Store, get the app, and then you have to put in your information. So it will start off there. That's how it works. Their customer service. If you sign up and you use the coupon code Lincoln, you get a month free. You can sign up, use the coupon code Lincoln, 30 days free. If you don't like it after 30 days, call me in my office and I'll tell you the most. But it's, you might as well try it free for 30 days and see if you like it. Yes, back You can ask questions for the days.
mean, there hasn't been what you're saying. The, the, their taste hasn't got to the point where it's like, this isn't in style. I mean, <coughs> excuse me. The last time Jen took them out, I remember Madeline. Well, how long did she look before she found something she liked? Yeah. We were all over Dillard's for like an hour. And she's in between, um, you know, she's in, uh, insulted or offended that the department that fits her has like size four or five little girls. She would love to be in juniors, uh, but she's not yet. So we don't uh, have a huge problem yet with her being limited to what is modest. Um, but she also, she's not a super trendy kid. Um, so we just keep it pretty classic, clean styles. I mean, we, we don't let them wear um, super tight Stuff. I mean, if they wear leggings, for example, they should have something that goes long enough um, over their bottom. And um, yeah, we just try to teach them to be respectful of their bodies. Um, yeah. Okay. So, um, so I have some friends. Also, and I know one of the things that you guys always did from a young age is you're like, I'm putting on your coat to protect you. Like, things like that. Um, but uh, there are, like, fashion designers who are, like, evangelical Christians out there who sell clothes on the internet um, that are really pretty cool. So I don't have their name on the tip of my tongue. I met a couple of them at a conference. I know, like, Pure Fashion is one apostolate. I bet if you checked Pure Hope, um, they'd also have some resources as far as that goes. But I know that there are, there are Christian ladies out there who are designing clothes, um, specifically because you can't find a lot of things in fashion. And if you go to Catholic school, your headaches are a lot less than people who go to public school because they wear uniforms, right, most days. We did get their bathing suits this summer. There's um, a website called Divine Modesty, and it has uh, a little girl's bathing suit tab, I think, on there. I think it's still there. Uh, we got them on clearance, and it, that worked great because they were cute, but they were modest. So, And they love to be at the pool, So, um, but they know that, yeah, we dress with dignity. I don't have them wearing grocery sacks, you know, and they're still, I mean, they're girls. Girls like to be cute. So, um, yeah, it's just all about emphasizing their dignity, ultimately, which is what we learned from Father, because initially we were like, you have to dress modestly because you don't want boys to have impure thoughts, and Father was like, no, no. <laughs> we're like, okay, change gears. Dignity. <laughs> and that's gone so much better. We don't want them to be afraid of each other. Exactly. So, um, other questions? Yeah, but. Um, I have a couple, actually. What do you think the role of schools is when it comes to talking about pornography and sex? Um, can you address it from a Catholic school and from the public school? Yeah. So, I think that schools should be doing anti-pornography education the same way they do anti-smoking education, anti-drinking education, drug education. It should all be rolled in the same place. All right? 
because pornography is a public health crisis. Right? There are people lobbying Congress about pornography being a public health crisis because kids who are exposed to pornography are more likely to have unprotected sex at a young age, and they're all, which means they're more likely to contract a sexually transmitted disease. Right? Even if Planned Parenthood was doing your sex education in public schools, they should have an interest in protecting against pornography and talking about the harms of pornography. Because kids who watch pornography don't use condoms. So if they're in the school saying, use condoms, people look at pornography don't use condoms. Statistically, it's proven. So it's against their interest for kids to be exposed to pornography. Now, I think if we really push them on that, it would be an awesome discussion. I, I really do. I think it would be an awesome discussion because there's a contradiction in the position at some point because they also think that you should be free to be able to use pornography. But pornography hurts women, you know, more than anything. You know, sexual assault on campus is skyrocketing. All the, all the colleges in the country are mandated by the federal government to have these sexual assault education days. Why is it skyrocketing? Because kids are watching so much pornography. Because in all those cases, the famous cases from the news, what was happening? Everybody was standing around filming. Like they're just making their own pornography. So, so I do think it's a public health crisis and that we should be addressing it. And even from a brain science level, like how it's harmful to you. Right? How it's harmful to you. How it's harmful for relationships. Right? How it's unhealthy. And, um, and I think that's something that all schools can cover. Um, I do think that the primary educator of the children about human sexuality is parents. And it should be parents. Um, what I would like to see in our Catholic schools is that we're encouraging parents by between second and fourth grade to be having the discussion at home, and then maybe by fourth or fifth grade we do have some kind of sex education in school, at least relationship education, like I kind of went through earlier about what it means to be created in the image of God, what it means to be a son or a daughter. Because um, we haven't done the best job at that either. And, um, and we can get nervous about it, like what's the role, what should we talk about and not talk about it. But, um, but I do think that it should be coupled with everything else that we're saying is bad. Um, because I do think it's probably the most damaging thing that's going on in the lives of our young people. Like the most vulnerable kid in our society, unfortunately, is a 10-year-old with an iPod. Um, so I would push schools to do that education. Right? In the midst of a world where the Nebraska School of Activities Association just passed this huge gender policy, like we should actually be looking for the good of the child. And when we do have children who experience gender dysphoria, they're confused about who they are, like what are we doing to actually help them understand that would happen through that kind of education and protecting them from the kind of content that might have led to that situation. And those, those things are all broad. I'm not saying there's one thing that ever happens that leads somebody down the road, but early sexualization causes a lot of splitting. Sexual trauma causes a lot of splitting in somebody. And, and we need to be concerned about healing and not so much about sort of just affirming things and people that actually are the result of wounds. You know, the result of wounds. So when somebody has a body image disorder, we don't affirm that. Usually if it's anorexia or bulimia. 
and we try to help them and try to heal them. Right? That's what I hope that we would be able to do. Okay. Great. Mm-hmm. Next. Other questions? Yes, Father. Men are So I don't like that distinction very much anymore because, especially among young people, it just doesn't match up all the time. Um, 30% of girls coming out of high school have seen or are watching visual pornography right now. So the idea that girls like romance novels and boys like visual pornography, like that distinction doesn't exist anymore. Girls are watching just as much visual pornography and it's becoming more and more of an issue with young women. And unfortunately, nobody is talking about that or trying to like help them through. Um, so I, I own a men's group, um, and they're all like married men. And then I have like another group of college men, and then I run a, a group for spouses um, who have discovered their husband's problem. And what I really need, you know, what I need in Lincoln is I need like a woman preferably a therapist, who would be able to work with young women who have had a problem with pornography. You know, one of the gifts of being a priest is we have confession, people come in, they come in this dark room, such like the movies, and uh, they confess their sins, and then it's an opportunity for me to say, hey, you know, this is something that came into your life, it's not your fault, let's talk, come in to see me in my office, and then I can move them on to the counselor. When it's a woman, it's harder to do that with a young girl, because there's a lot more shame, especially when it's talking to um, and so I'm really, I've always got my eyes peeled for like, what are we going to do for that? I have worked with women who were addicted to visual pornography. Um, so it's not always that cut and dry as far as that goes. And I know men who like to read romance novels too. So back in the back. What's the name of that group? Well, they're from Tabor College. They're all presidential leadership scholars, and it's a need they saw in their peer group, and they started going out. A lot of people have started asking them to speak. Good. All right, I'm going to look them up. Thanks. Other questions? Yeah. Tells them they're amazing, 
And I'm like, this is your real problem. Um, and usually they're, I mean, I get away with it, so. But, uh, but I have had high school students that um, I just didn't, I wasn't able to connect properly with. You know? So, repairing a relationship, right? Always repairing a relationship. Like, even if you put your kid in time out, it's really important to go repair the relationship afterwards. Right? It's important that you go hug them when their time out is over. Right? That you repair the relationship. Okay? Like when I talk about me and that stuff, like those are snippets of what happened. Like I also had experiences of, um, you know, really, I had really good experiences with my parents too. Like my dad did catch me sneaking a rated R movie home. Because um, that's what I did. I couldn't look at porn, but I went to the movie store and I read a rated R movie because I was hoping there'd be nudity and I would take it home and I'd write E.T. and Porky's or whatever. <laughs> and then I'd hide the one under my bed and I'd watch the video like, we run a E.T. Well, my sister found the receipt once and she comes down and she's like, what is this movie? And she, was, she felt like she was missing out because I read a movie she wasn't going to be allowed to see. And then my dad was like, well, go get it. And he go, I go get it. And I think my dad thought it was really bad. And so we put it in, and he sits there and he watches it with me, which is so embarrassing. And it didn't even really have that much bad stuff in it, so I was really ticked off. Um, and then the next, and then he just went to bed, and the next day we were out at a park or something, and he sits down with me, and he goes, so, were all your questions answered last night? That's so awkward that I never did it again, right? <laughs> Wasn't the best intervention, but it was an intervention that kept me um, and our Lord did a lot to heal those things in my own life, too. You know, like when, and I have a really long story about that, but you're going to have to, like, subscribe to my podcast to find it, because I don't have time to tell it right now. But our Lord did a lot to heal those things. But repairing is really important, Jenna. And can I say something? That there's a great quote, behind every great kid is a mom who thinks she's messing it up. So I love that, and I remember that, because we, moms beat ourselves up horribly. And I think, you just do the best you can, you know? So, yeah. just keep trying. Yeah. Yeah. What about the family where, you know, the mom or the dad is struggling themselves? And, or, you know, statistically, even somebody here could be struggling with pornography. And we're here. Right. To, like, deal with it ourselves or reach out. Like, how do you, what's the next step? So the next step would be to, if somebody is dealing with it themselves, I, I don't give that talk usually because typically people hear me and then they're like, oh, I can talk to that guy. Um, so if somebody is struggling with, them, with it themselves, they should start looking for help right away. Start limiting your access right away. Um, which means like you have covenant eyes on all your stuff for you. Sometimes you just turn the browser off on the phone completely, whatever you need to do. And then call somebody to start a conversation, right? Like you can call your priest or your pastor to start a conversation and hopefully they know where to send you. Um, I have, like in Lincoln, um, people just know they can call me and then they usually come into my office and we have a talk and we kind of do an inventory. And then I have a group and so I have them come to the accountability group every week. And then I have a group for women to help them to deal with, like I just discovered, and my husband has a problem. 
Um, I found in younger, like millennial wives, they, they just kind of know that they're a and prop. Like it's obvious, like everybody just grew up with it. Um, a little older, it's not so much. Um, but I have, I, I have a couple. She discovered he had a pornography problem 15 years ago. They have hated each other for 15 years. They've hated each other. I think that they were intimate like three times in 15 years or something like that. Had babies from those three times. But um, they hated each other. She came in to see me because she wanted permission to leave it. And then we started talking. And then we started talking about how like her husband could get help. And then we started talking about her own wounds that just got like exacerbated by the fact that she discovered this about her husband. And as we started focusing on her own wounds, she stopped fighting with her husband. And then her husband saw her working on herself, and then he was like, hmm, she's not fighting with me anymore. Maybe I should go see this father guy. And then he comes into my office, and he's been coming to accountability here. Their marriage is right now, they say, better than it has ever been, ever, in their life, simply because they started addressing this issue. Right? It's gotten rid of like the loneliness in their marriage, the animosity in their marriage, the anger, even for a spouse to come to understand that this is not a moral failing so much as it is an addiction that's usually related to some trauma and like make some space for empathy. And so like contacting priests or pastor, like 12 step groups are really good. Um, I think Carney is probably the closest place where I know that there's a therapist who's trained in this and that they run 12 step groups. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I always kind of have an open invitation. People can give me a call in my office if they want to consult um, and kind of talk about next steps. Um, so that's what I would recommend. Okay. Um, but to get healing, like where you can. And there are a lot of, sometimes there are good groups that are run at other churches. You know, there's a Berean church in Lincoln. They run these... Uh, pure desire groups, which a lot of people really like. Um, sometimes with a church group, like the curriculum is really meant to be run by a therapist, and it's being run by a volunteer, and then that, that gets a little iffy. You know, that's why I like sending them to the therapist, they come to accountability, do spiritual direction. Other questions? I think we're probably at time at SMH. Okay. Yes? I thought of the name of the group Okay. I've heard of them. Okay, I'll look them up. Mm -hmm. I'll probably, it probably will be at this set free summit. Um, okay, so again, the bookstore has a lot of those resources. Um, did, you get, did, did you get emails when you signed in? Yep. Okay, so if you get your email when you sign in, I'm going to send a follow up email through Becky that she can blast out just with some of those links and things like that that I talked about. Because I know that, that was like rapid fire. Um, Integrity Restored is the website that I'm part of, and um, that's a place where we have information for individual spouses, parents, and clergy. Okay. All right, let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together and ask your blessings upon all gathered here, upon their families, especially upon our young people. We ask you to encourage them, to encourage all parents in their vocation and their role as the image of God in the lives of their children. To be protectors of their children. To also be images of your merciful love. 
We pray for our young people that they may preserve purity of heart. Because it is this purity of heart that allows us to see you, Lord. We ask all this as we pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. May Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks again for being here, and thank you, Becky, for putting this on and organizing everything.